Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. Today is June 16th, 2020, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tom Lewis and Tony East. Uh, so fun fact, uh, Tony is actually the first person that I ever did a podcast with. Uh, so I don't know if you're right. It seems like it feels like it was almost like two or three years ago, but that was uh, crap. I think that was like two days after the last game. So that was uh, <laughs> kind of wild to think about, but glad to have you on, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Glad to be back. You've had me back for round two after Scott and Tom embarrassed me with the history lesson last time I was on. So. <laughs> hey, man, I, I got a little embarrassed, too. I, and I got invited back. Yeah, dude, it's all course. It's all current events now, though, so yeah. we really I'm, need you. I'm more prepared for this one. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel more prepared for this one, too. Um, so we actually we were planning on talking about the playoffs, and uh, we'll, we'll still be talking about the bubble and everything, but just to, to go off right off the bat, and you guys can fill in as well. Um, but uh, – Shams Sharani of The Athletic just uh, dropped a report of the NBA, uh, NBA PA's uh, health and safety guidelines uh, leading into the, to, to the season startup. So we have phase one, which is June 12th through the 22nd. All players are returning to their home market by the 22nd. Uh, voluntary individual workouts can be taking place at team facilities, but still no group workouts. Uh, phase two, June 23rd to the 30th. It's when the mandatory testing starts. Um, and one of the wrinkles that has been added in today is the salary reduction uh, for non-participating players has been figured out. Uh, so it's a very intricate number uh, that I don't necessarily have a reasoning behind yet, but it's one ninety-second point. So one divided by 92.6 of a player's salary uh, is reduced for each game missed with a max reduction of, of 14 divided by 92.6. Um, and phase three, so, yes, but with phase two, players have until the 24th uh, to announce whether or not they will be or will not be participating. Um, phase three is from July 1st to the 9th, to split 9th, 10th, 11th, because teams are arriving uh, in Orlando at the end of that. Um, but the first part of that, uh, individual workouts are mandatory starting on the 1st. Group workouts are still prohibited, but head coaches can now participate in drills. Uh, in Phase 4A, which is July 7th to the 11th, is when teams start to depart for Orlando on a staggered basis. Uh, so teams will be you know, split up as they move across country to get down to Orlando. Uh, room isolation. So you have to have two negatives within 24 hours in order to uh, be removed from room isolation. Um, league and team staff must wear – this is the wildest part of the entire report <laughs> – um, league and team staff must wear proximity sensors that go off if you are within six feet of someone uh, for a certain amount of time, which is kind of wild to think about. That is uh, optional for players, though. Face masks are required for all times for all players and personnel. Uh, and on July 7th, random drug testing begins again. Uh, without uh, That was also instituted without uh, testing for recreational drugs. Um, phase 4B, that's from July 9th through the uh, 21st is when group workouts start. So team practices can start happening. Uh, phase 5 is July 22nd through the 29th, which is three scrimmages against teams in the same hotel. So uh, we were talking about that a little bit earlier. There will be a uh, – the, the, the hotel matters, who you're, who you're playing against leading up to, uh, to the actual season makes a difference, which is kind of wild to think about. So maybe we'll have a hotel draft, we can only hope. And phase six will be when, when play starts. So I guess just right off the bat, I want to ask um, Tony, what are, what are your 
thoughts kind of coming off that. That was a lot to unpack for sure. Well, before we get into some of the more and less interesting parts, and we can move chronologically through that, I do think that since that was a lot of what came out today was the safety stuff that they sent to teams, I I like the way they're doing it where it's, it's smaller workouts, then individual workouts with the team, then with coaches, then group workouts, then you, you know, you keep slowly adding in other levels to keep guys as much or as, as bubbly quote unquote as possible just to prevent spreading and things like that. I think that actually is the, not maybe the safest way, obviously there's more than 16 teams and things like that, but if you're going to do it this way, that is a pretty good way to make sure you're ramping up in a, in the safest way possible from face to face. Yeah. Yeah. I would fully agree with that. I think, uh, I, I obviously still, this, this leads to more questions, but I think having this kind of concrete plan in place and, uh, uh, starting to see the, how things fall in the line instead of just kind of thinking about it, uh, you know, nonstop for a month, that definitely, uh, provides a little bit of a sharper image. Uh, Tom, what are your thoughts, you know, just kind of going off that right away? Yeah, I know we're, we're talking about the concerns still. And like you say, you're building up gradually and hopefully that'll build up the confidence of everybody, assuming, you know, there are minimal issues uh, with the testing and all that. And um, I know the concern now is it seems like the news out of Florida regarding the, the, um, virus is, is continually getting worse. Um, but again, once you're in that bubble, or if they can get into the bubble, uh, I guess that wouldn't matter as much. I do like the term bubbly, though, keeping the players <laughs> bubbly. I think yeah. uh, maybe maybe Victor can go from feathery to bubbly. <laughs> That'd be a good thing. That would be uh, that would be priceless. I don't really know how that translates on the basketball court. How does one be bubbly on the basketball court? <laughs> well, I... You know, Doug McDermott is not bubbly, right? Because no one ever gives him any space. But <laughs> you know, who, would, like Jeremy Lamb, I guess, gives, gets given a lot of space. He's a bubbly player. Yeah, oh, I like it. I think we, we'll, we'll, we'll try and coin it. Depends how long the bubble lasts. <laughs> um, I, I think one of the first things that I really want to bring up today in talking about, uh, obviously, the, when, the, when initially everything was passed and the, the Players Association voted and agreed to put the, uh, the NBA – uh, governor's group, I mean, governor's board of governors, uh, plan into action. Um, everything seemed like very cut and dry and like it was ready to get going and, and, and off the rip. And Tom and I talked about that at, at the time. Um, and obviously in the last, you know, four or five days, things have come out about uh, a sect of players that is, uh, less enthusiastic. Well, I saying less, less enthusiastic is the wrong way to put it, but they're, they're bringing up very valid concerns about, um, the potential of a restart, and Kyrie Irving has been the head of that, along with Avery Bradley and uh, and Dwight Howard, uh, according to uh, Shams and, and Woj's reporting. Um, there's been a lot of blowback to it, and I I, I kind of just want to gauge uh, where you guys think, or not not think, what what your opinion is, kind of uh, looking at that, uh, because I think there's been a, a lot of discourse about that, and I I'd, I'd like to get your uh, your opinions for sure. Well, I do think part of that that is sort of mentioned in what Sham said today and is interesting is that they set a concrete date on when you have to decide to play, right? So mm-hmm. they're, they're putting a timeline on, on this conversation. And that, that's the start basically of the phases. Like they're not playing it, but they have eight days to decide. Like today we officially have that clock of knowing what players are going to decide to do. And even if you don't agree or do agree with the points Kyrie and all those guys are trying to make, 
I think what they, even what they did and Kyrie being part of the players association itself here is they open the door for other guys to express concerns in other ways to say, well, okay, you don't agree with this part of the plan. I don't agree with this part of the plan. You know, that's what Donovan Mitchell saying with the contract stuff and why him and Tatum and Bam, I think are heading the insurance policy stuff for their next contract. And then you have, you know, Avery Bradley coming now and helping out with their way. So I think they just cracked the door for players to, to air out concerns about everything, which is exactly what the players association is supposed to do, which a forces the NBA to, you know, try to work on, you know, the solution, make it more refined for everybody and B just allows guys to be more comfortable and make these decisions if they want to play or not. So I give Kyrie a lot of, of props for both airing out his personal grievances and allowing everybody else to do so in a way that could help safety and, could get more players there, and, and the ones who want to be there will be there if they want to. I mean, the way I look at it, it for all the players, it, it, it has to be about safety. I don't think um, any of them can really think about the financial aspect, although that's got to be a driver. But if you're going to play or not, you, you want to play to get the money going. I mean, honestly, the Golden Goose is going to die here um, with the way the NBA is going right now if they lose a year and they lose a the revenue and it keeps shrinking. I mean, there's teams like Indiana. There are more teams like Indiana that are, would struggle to go forward. And if they have to play in front of a half-full arena next year, at best case, or a three-quarter full arena, they're not making money. Um, and, you know, you think about, you know, think about sitting in the field house and you have those ribbons of advertising, um, around the two, you know, between the first and second and the second and third levels. And, you know, are they going to be able to have all those advertisers return? Are they going to return at the same rate? Doubtful. There's no way. Um, You know, it's the the money just might not be there in the end. And I feel like a lot of these discussions uh, go on with people thinking at some point, everything's going to be right back to normal and all the money's going to be back to normal and all the ratings and all, you know, everything's going to be normal, but there's so much unknown that I feel like in some cases the players, you know, do need to be kind of greedy and get what they can now, why, why there's still a plan and they can still get something because you don't know what's going to come down the road. Yeah. Yeah. I fully agree with that. I think, um, Oftentimes when, when the general fan or general person thinks about the NBA and player salary, you know, they look at a guy like Kyrie Irving or LeBron James making, you know, full, full level maxes, uh, the super max. Um, but Ed Davis, uh, who plays for the jazz right now, brought up a really good point yesterday, uh, in, in an interview talking about how, uh, you know, lower level players who are on minimum deals, this is the, the potential reductions, uh, factor in a lot more for somebody making, you know, league minimum of like, Eight eight hundred or nine hundred thousand dollars compared to, um, you know, twenty seven or twenty eight million, and having all the advertisements on the outside of that. And uh, obviously, you know, we'll talk about things that are they're bigger than financials. But right now, that's something that's very significant and could uh, could definitely be something that factors into to, to guys willing to play or or not willing to play. Um, mainly, I, I'm hoping that this uh, this the, the plan rollout will. Hopefully, ease some 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 minds a little bit. Um, I, it, it doesn't necessarily ease my mind. I think that there's still uh, still a lot of questions in regards to that. Um, but I, I think kind of going off that as well. Um, there, there's obviously you know all the things going on in the world with uh, with, with the protesting and 
uh, just kind of the general issues that are going on in U.S. society. Um, I, I'd also like to get your guys' opinion on, on what you think about uh, the ability of being able to use the NBA as a platform, whether that would maybe take away from some of that coverage or, or whether you think it can be kind of a bolster for that. I think we've heard both sides and they've both been aired out pretty well, actually. You know, Lou Williams, I think is who it was that tweeted like, look, if you're at, if you are at a protest or reading coverage of a protest and then you stop doing that to watch an NBA game, we're distracting you from the point that we are trying to make and the point that we are trying to emphasize right now. And that's a great point. That's totally true and something that likely will happen bleeding into next month. And then you have Brogdon on the flip side, which this is super relevant because this is a Pacer show, mm-hmm. you know, saying there are guys who want to go and do what Tom said, make the money both for the league and for themselves so that they can use that money to continue to push their cause. So I, I think that there are some, some valid points on both sides of that discussion in terms of, you know, combating systemic racism uh, and how, and how they want to go about that. And it seems like Kyrie's on the opposite side where he says the distraction is greater than the good that playing will do. But uh, it, it, you know, I think players have to decide which side makes more sense to them in that way. Yeah, and, and that is, you know, a, a different conversation really than, um, you know, debating between the virus and the money and, and all that. But it obviously is, is just a bigger factor right now. And, you know, like, I, I kind of feel like I fall in with, with Brogdon. I've, I've heard him talk about it, and, and <laughs> he speaks so well about it and, and um, is so focused that it really makes sense. But not everybody's Malcolm Brogdon. Not everybody – wants to be you know with a mic in their hand and talking and and being a a huge voice and want to maybe support that cause in different ways and maybe basketball takes away from them so again that that is kind of an individual decision obviously the players feel that way as well um so i I can see where lou williams is coming from um with his point of view and um and you know certain guys just may not feel comfortable, you know, stepping away from their community or their family at this time. And that's a huge factor as well. But um, in the end, they, you know, it's it, sadly, it, I mean, it's a business. And um, so they will be able to take a stand. They'll be able to make some money. But um, if, if they want to get back to where they have the, you know, that money is, is a powerful thing. And in the U.S. right now and getting that generational money for families and communities to do good and do what you want to do um, is, is a big factor that they all have to weigh. I mean, I don't, I don't envy them on some level with, with that because um, it, it just is so complicated and everybody has to go at it from, you know, their own personal perspective. And, you know, it's their, their conscience. They have to look themselves in the mirror and, and do what's right. So I don't think you know, as Tony said, we, we've heard all, all sides and, you know, no one's right or wrong. Um, there's no way you can can um, denigrate anyone's opinion on this because it's all personal. So um, that is really adding to, to this mess where no one's real comfortable going down there right now probably. And then now, you know, you, you have something where um, – they're more focused on doing what's right in their community by their family um, and by their community. And, you know, they have to trust that first and foremost. 
one of my friends brought up a really good point to me today um, because I, I'd, I'd been leaning more towards the, the uh, towards Kyrie's views, which, which I totally, you know, understand where he's coming from. But I think there, there also is uh, you know, not everybody thinks exactly the same and uh, you know, not everybody would necessarily <laughs> feel quite the same about basketball not being played, you know, and uh, sometimes it's, it's better to try and use the platform in a way that maybe you do reach some of those people who, who are, you know, on the edge about it. And uh, it, you're able to, to, to reach a new understanding with people who, uh, who, who aren't coming from the same place. So I don't know, there's no, you know, real answer to it. Uh, regardless, it's, it's a tough decision, you know, looking at uh, kind of, you know, mo- moving off this a little bit, um, <laughs> I, I'd like to just kind of garner your, your, your thoughts on, you know, with the season coming back and, and your personal thoughts on, on what this could be health wise and outside COVID, because I know I, I talked with Tom about it a little bit and I, uh, I wrote on it last week um, about, you know, just the potential issues for injury um, and fatigue coming up uh, in this upcoming season and how that could compound in the next. Um, I'm just kind of wondering what you guys think about the, the way that uh, play will be ramped up so quickly. Well, uh, I think for the for the Pacers, assuming that everybody has recovered, I mean they're a pretty deep roster, so I think they're pretty well suited to handle a lot of games really fast. Especially because they can use a replacement player on Jeremy Lamb for just a warm body in practice. Which, since it'll be every other day, I think for fifty days or something, I think while they're, while they're there, basically like. And depending on their scrimmages, I mean, they could basically play every other day from July 22nd to the end of August, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Just having anyone who can help you out in practice and give those guys the needed rest and whenever re- regaining time that they need is super helpful. And yeah, your article title, Four Games and Five Nights, is perfect as this carries into next season, too. It's like these guys are going to get, they're going from nothing to getting hammered, both in the coming season and next season if they try to fit it into the the old time frame. So it's going to be super fascinating to see how this shakes out. I think the prices are pretty well suited though for the coming season, just cause they're a deeper team. Right. And they can, because you know, Warren and McDermott and Holland, Justin holiday, and even Aaron can play both guard spots and uh, Vic and Brogdon. These guys can play Sabonis starts out of position. Like they have so many guys playing out of position or at different positions that they can mix and match their way to a cohesive rotation, no matter what's going on this year. And they only lose, you know, if Justin Holiday leaves, they'll only lose one of those guys next year. Uh, they're well equipped for it, but it is, I mean, they have a lot of kind of injury prone guys on their roster. And given that they're going to be playing a lot more or a lot more frequently, at least like on a day-to-day basis, that could be the hard part for them to deal with is they kind of, they could set themselves up for more injuries, but they are well equipped to deal with them. Yeah. Cause um, one, well, you know, what I wrote about it that, I've thought about, and obviously, you know, we're not gonna have an answer to it yet. Um, but I do wonder if they continue to not play Victor on, on back-to-backs and how that impacts uh, team success uh, during the season startup, because it's harder to, you know, obviously when you're in a playoff setting, it's, I'd imagine in the playoffs, he will play every game, but at the same time, uh, he can't really not play every game, but it'd be difficult to not play every game in the eight leading up, uh, and the way that it could factor in next season, because I believe Kawhi played, you know, he, he still hasn't played back-to-backs this year. So uh, that's definitely something interesting to look at, considering that Victor had not played any back-to-backs yet uh, down the stretch of the season. Yeah, and, and I think like Tony said, the Pacers do have some pretty good depth there, at least to get going, get through those eight 
real games and then at points in the playoffs if they you know if they need to tap into you know Edmund Sumner or Jakar Sampson they've had su- success with those guys um I, you know after seeing uh, Nikola Jokic I'm kind of hoping Goga <laughs> yeah. comes back you know just completely rocked out and ready to roll yeah but, uh, yeah I don't know if I'm gonna rely on that but you never know could happen yeah. <laughs> but um <clears throat> but at least with that you know I guess that's you know third line depth that may impact all teams and and the Pacers at least have um some guys that at each spot that they couldn't fill in if they need to. I mean, definitely going down the stretch, Goga did not look like he was a guy who would uh, end up, you know, he looked like he would probably, much like Aaron uh, Holiday last year, kind of getting slashed out of the rotation a little bit uh, as they cut down for the playoffs. But now it, it definitely seems like there's some real potential for, for him to see some real meaningful minutes as a backup big. The, overall, there are just so many so many questions and variables that are, that are going to factor into uh, – this season and next season all right guys thank you thank you so much for coming on it was was great talking uh what are you guys working on right now um i'm working on how the hiatus or the suspension whatever you want to call it could have helped the pacers more than any team i think that's an interesting topic since they had a third of the roster basically banged up right beforehand and um once the schedule comes out of course we'll all be working on analyzing that to death so Mm -hmm. look forward to that Cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little uh, love to the Fever because they're gonna be playing. Oh yeah, that's right. That was announced today that the uh, the WNBA is coming back. I believe it's the week yeah. before the the NBA starts. Yeah. I think we could, yeah mid mid July sometime. So cool, awesome. All right, well guys, thank you again for coming on. Uh, to everyone listening, stay safe out there. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks for listening.